0: Thank you, Alan. Great song. What a message. We'll be reading today from the book of Judges. Judges chapter 16 will begin in verse 4. Judges chapter 16 will begin in verse 4. <clears throat> While you're turning, preachers has got a special project uh, I need some help with. Uh, I need uh, help with a couple of guys with tractors. Uh, I need somebody with a tractor with a front end loader. Uh, we have some dirt that needs to be moved from the... Uh, bottom part of the property up here. We got the concrete poured on the inside of the building. We have to have some dirt on two sides of the building up next to the building to, uh, to finish out that work. Uh, and then, of course, after the sidewalk and the ramp is poured, we'll need some more dirt work. Topsoil is down at the bottom of the hill. The need for it is up at the top of the hill, so we really need somebody with a front end loader. Also have some work that needs to be done in and around the playground area and where we trenched in the uh, utilities. That's beginning to settle. We need the dirt done there. So what I'll need is somebody who can help me out with a tractor with a front end loader and maybe a couple of guys with shovels. I don't mind being a a swamper for you if you just supply the uh, driver and the tractor. Also, Along the middle of that property, when we started the dirt work, they put a fabric fence up to uh, keep erosion from happening. There are enough weeds out there now, erosion's not going to happen. But we can't bush hog there because that fence is there. So uh, I know where the fence is because I waded into the weeds yesterday to check that out, and I found out that fence is not coming up by hand. It's all got tangled up with weeds and vines and that sort of thing. I'll be your swamper if I can get a tractor and chain, and we'll see if we can get that up. Then, I need another tractor, tractors, with bush hogs. See if we can clean this up while it's dry, because it's not dry uh, through the year, and while it's dry, we have to take our opportunity uh, to get that done. There's a spiritual lesson here somewhere about taking care of opportunities while they're here, but we won't go there right now, but we need tractors. If y'all meet with me right after the service, I'll be kind of trying to organize this and try to find out when you can be here, and how we can take this. Not a lot of work, but it's too much for shovels and wheelbarrows, so uh, if you can help me out, I'd sure appreciate that. We're in the book of Judges chapter 16, and uh, if you, let me just give you a kind of an update on what's going on. Uh, for 260 years since Joshua, Israel has had no real strong moral leadership. Uh, it is said there was no king in Israel in those days. That's mentioned several times through the book of Judges. Also mentioned through the book of Judges, because there was no strong leadership, it is said, and the children of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. It's also mentioned several different times, because there was no strong leadership, the children of Israel did evil. In the sight of the Lord, the people would stray. And then God would use the actions of a foreign country to get the attention of the nation. Sometimes it was in a single event. Sometimes it was in years of oppression. Most of the time it was in years of oppression. One of the surrounding peoples would come and just dominate life for them. We saw that, of course, in the life of Gideon. We also saw in the life of Gideon, the nation would be in distress and the people would cry out to God and God would send a leader from that generation. They were called the judges. Now, if you've done much reading in the book of Judges, each one of those uh, individuals was a classy piece of work. They were all seriously flawed. Some of them were just a tangled up mess. We'll be looking at one of them this morning. But God would raise up the judges, and God would use them. The cycle repeated itself. And we're looking today at the cycle that started in chapter 13, verse 1, where it just simply says, Again the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And after 40 years, it was announced that a baby was going to be born. This baby was going to be born. It was going to be a special individual, Samson. And Samson, of course, God had given remarkable strength. Now, there's no way you're going to have a children's Bible story book without Samson being mentioned in here. Samson was a, a man that God would come upon him in a special way, and he would have remarkable strength in just a few chapters some of the things that he did and this is just stuff that you uh, you just can't believe what happened, but God made it happen. He killed a lion with his bare hands. Because he had caused some trouble with the Philistines, they re- leaned on the Hebrew leaders to arrest him. So they arrested Samson. He allowed himself to be arrested, taken to the Philistines, found himself surrounded by the Philistine Army. He grabbed the only weapon he could find, the jawbone of a dead donkey. You talk about special weapons and tactics. He grabbed that, and with the jawbone of a donkey, he slayed a thousand Philistines. Wiped them out. Wiped them out. Uh, Also, he was in uh, Gaza. He was hiding out in Gaza. He was where he shouldn't have been doing what he shouldn't have been doing. But the men of the city found out he was in town. They locked the gate of the city at night. He was hiding out at night. They said, we'll get him in the morning because we got him locked in. Samson picked up the gate and the gate post, and that part of the great wall carried it 40 miles away and perched it on top of the hill like a Halloween prank. I mean, he was a strong, strong guy. He judged Israel for 40 years. And, and if that's not exciting enough in this passage of scripture, Samson the strong man has found some romance. Is this true love? But well, let's find out. Judges chapter 16, verse 4. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? <clears throat> and afterward it appeared that he, Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me, where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I will become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now the men were lying at wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings strings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I will become weak and be like any other man. Therefore, Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like thread. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of a loom, So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. He awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. She said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. It came to pass she pestered him daily with her words, and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor shall ever come upon my head. I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me. I will become weak and be like every other man. Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at once more. For he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. She lulled him to sleep on her knees. She called for a man to shave off the seven locks off his head. She began to torment him and the strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters. He became a grinder in the prison. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you that the things that were written before are written for our learning. Father, we ask that we would learn from the life of Samson. Samson's so much different than all of us here. But unfortunately, Samson is very similar to all of us here. We ask that we would take these lessons, learn them well, show us the importance of your plan for our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. What happened here? What happened that the strongest man in Israel has his eyes gouged out, he's bound with fetters, and he's grinding grain in the prison. You see, the creature that normally grinds grain is an ox. He's reduced to doing the work that an animal would do. What happened here that his judgment is so clouded? Did anybody catch this here? That Delilah asked him the first time, tell me what you can be bound with, and he tells her. Now he wakes up, and he's bound with exactly what he told her he could be bound with, exactly. Of course, he shakes it free. Then she asked him the second time, and he tells her what happened to his judgment. How can his judgment be so clouded that, number one, he allows her to ask him these questions? Number two, once he finds out that every time he tells her what can hurt him, that exact thing is applied to him, and he does this over and over again. And what has clouded his judgment that he somehow, way? doesn't detect there are other men in the room with his romantic encounter with his girlfriend. How's all that happened? How did this happen to Samson? Well, we see in the life of Samson the effect of the steady erosion of small compromises. And once a small compromise is allowed into our life, it becomes easier to allow another one and sometimes a bigger one. And once they get to a tipping point, the damage is irreversible. And what we want to look at this morning, four compromises of Samson. These compromises started 20 years earlier at the start of his service as judge of Israel and over 20 years these compromises didn't seem like a big deal at the time to Samson but they resulted in this let's take these lessons well starts all the way back chapter 14 verse 1 he's a young man still under the care of his mama and daddy. So we know this is at the start or even before his 20-year service to the country. And it starts like this. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. He sees a daughter in Timnah. He sees a daughter, not of the Hebrew women, but of the Philistine women. And oh, she looks good. He said, she looks really good. He said, I want her. And as the custom was, the parents were to arrange the wedding. So he told his mama and daddy, now go get her for me. Now, The first compromise is that he ignored God's word. See, God's word was specific about the thing he was asking for, and that was, of course, a woman of the Philistines. And, of course, let me say this. This is a third woman mentioned in the life of Samson. So we understand he had a weakness here, not just for women. He had a weakness for Philistine women. Well, what's the problem? Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. This, of course, part of God's law. God has specific instructions concerning marriage. God had some specific instructions concerning relationships between men and women. And here's part of his instructions. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Philistines were part of the Canaanites. Philistines were in this specific mention of the Canaanites. When your Lord delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. Make no covenant with them or show mercy with them. Now look specifically. Specifically, no gray area, nor shall you make marriage with them. You shall not give your daughters to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. And the reason is this. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the angel of the Lord will be roused against you and destroy you suddenly. God says do not marry the Canaanite women. Specifically, and here's the reason why. had nothing to do with politics. It had nothing to do with color. They were all alike. They all looked alike. had nothing to do with that. It was specifically a spiritual thing. He said, They'll turn the heart of my people away from me. They'll turn them away from me and turn them to their gods. It was a spiritual thing because the gods of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Havites, the Jebusites, and the Canaanites, the gods of them involved worship rituals that were, first of all, obscene, vulgar, ungodly, and involved human sacrifice. They were as vile and as wicked as human behavior would come. And God says, you have nothing in common with them. And they will turn your heart away. There's no way you can enter into any kind of relationship, especially the marriage relationship, and stay true to me. It won't happen. Do not marry these people. What's Samson's response when his father and mother tell him this. Verse 3. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of my people that you must go get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson said to his father, Get her for me. Here's his response to God's word. She pleases me well. God said, Don't marry them. This is disaster. This is tragedy. They'll turn you away from me, and he says, yeah, but she pleases me well. This is what I want to do. This is what I want. This is my pleasure. This is my choice. This is the path I want to take, and this pleases me. So, God, I'm going to ignore your word, your instructions, your plan for my relationships, and I'm going to chase after the Philistine women. He ignored God's word. Specifically, he ignored God's plan for marriage. Now, Samson's experience verifies all of this. And so that's where we learn from Samson. You think, how can we learn anything from a tangled up piece of work like Samson? Well, what happened? Delilah, and this is not the first time it happened, was asking him concerning something. That was against God's plan. I mean, tell me what you can be bound with so I'll know these things. Once she want to know? Well, we know why she wanted to know. And you think Samson would be a little bit suspicious. But here's the hook. You know what she said? How could you say you love me and not tell me? Or let's put it in, in modern terms. Samson, if you really love me, and then finish that sentence. Now, undivided attention for our young people. Teenagers, middle schoolers, listen to this. If your girlfriend or boyfriend is ever trying to pressure you or entice you or ask you into doing something you know is wrong, going somewhere you know you shouldn't be, doing things you shouldn't do, smoking things or drinking things you shouldn't adjust, if they use these words, if you loved me, you would, they don't love you. That's manipulation. And if anybody is ever going to say, if you love me, you'd really do this, they are trying to manipulate you. They know what you care about. They know what your convictions are. They know you have reservations. And instead, they're going to try to use your love for them as a hook to drag you along. Run. That should be a warning flag. That person does not love you. That person does not care for you. And you don't need to pursue this relationship. But how many times do we see that this actually works? But I'm giving you fair warning, it's never an indication of love if somebody uses this tactic. Samson's first girlfriend in Timna did that. And now here we go, his last girlfriend does. He ignored God's word, God's plan for his life. Secondly, he did not take seriously his commitments to God. Now, where do we see this? Well, when he finally broke down and told Delilah where his strength lies, where he thought his strength lies. In verse 17, he told her all his heart, said, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. You see, when the angel came to Manoah and his wife and said, you're going to bear a son, he's going to be something special for God, he'll be a Nazarite to God from the day he's born. What what did he mean by that? Well, to find out what the other three compromises are, we have to understand, what is the Nazarite vow? Turn back to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter six, verse one. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When other either a man or a woman consecrate an offering, take the vow of Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord. He shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar nor wine made for for nor vinegar made from the similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice or eat fresh grapes or raisins, all the days of separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of his vow of separation no razor shall come upon his head. Until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord, he shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of his head hair grow. All the days he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. The Nazarite vow was typically a temporary vow for a season of time, for a special service to the Lord. Uh, we understand that the Apostle Paul had a similar vow when he was in synchrea. They would consecrate themselves to the Lord for a specific purpose, a specific goal. Samson was a Nazarite from his mother's womb. He was a Nazarite from birth, and he claimed this. It's not like, well, I don't know if he agreed to this or not. Well, he knew why his hair wasn't cut. He knew that he was a Nazarite and he embraced it. He accepted it. He said, I am a Nazarite. That's what he told to Delilah. He willingly knew he was a Nazarite and he willingly claimed to be one and claimed the Nazarite vow. Now, three compromises here. First of all, anyone were to be a Nazarite and claim the Nazarite vow, the first one was they shall not drink wine, nor vinegar, nor grape juice, nor eat grapes or raisins or anything that has to do with the grapevine. Nothing pertaining to the grapevine. Now, back up to chapter 14, verse 1. Judges 14, verse 1. Now, Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, the daughter of the Philistines. And of course, you know that he asked his mom and daddy, we're going to go get her. She, I like her. And it says in verse 5, Samson went down to Timnah with his mother and father and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Stop, 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 stop. Where did he come to? The vineyards of Timnah. He was in the vineyards of Timnah. Now we continue. To his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. Verse 6 he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Now, we get kind of caught up with the fact that he killed a lion with his bare hands. We don't maybe notice a couple of details here. Number one, he is in the vineyard of Timna. His mom and daddy's not in there. They were so far away from him, they couldn't hear a lion roar. Now, I remember one time this little circus came to town in Magnolia, and they were, they were posted up in the Kmart Shopping Center. They had a lion there. And a lion would do this kind of moaning roar. You could hear it all over town. I never heard anything like it. I, never, I didn't know they were that loud. He roared and came after him. Mom and Daddy didn't hear it. Where were they? They were on the road to Timnah. Samson had taken a shortcut through the vineyard. Why was he in the vineyard? He was not supposed to touch a grape. He had nothing to do with a grapevine. Nothing that had to do with a grapevine was to be a part of his life. He ignored that part of his commitment to God, and he went straight through the vineyard. You might say, well, wait a minute. Just going through the vineyards, you not hurt anything. I can go close to, can't I even look at a grapevine that's not going to hurt? Oh, really? You see, he got so comfortable with the grapevines and the, vineyard of Timnah notice what happened when he got to Timnah in verse 10 his father went down to the woman and Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so now so what oh do a little research The word feast in the original language, the Hebrew, is mistay. Now, what that means is, in the dictionary of biblical languages, mistay means a festive dinner, so far so good, often including much drinking of wine. Who gave the feast? Who gave the mistay? Who gave the party where there was much drinking of wine? Samson. Samson. Bible scholar, Daniel Black. He's an Old Testament scholar. He's an expert in the book of Judges to the point where he was chosen to write the North American commentary for the book of Judges. He zeroed in on this. He zeroed in on the context. He zeroed in on the Hebrew language, Old Testament Hebrew expert. And he said with all the confidence, this word here in this context, very obviously there were a lot of young men involved. It was a drinking party. And Samson was hosting a drinking party. Now, the Nazarite vow says, you don't even touch a grape. You don't eat a grape fresh grape juice or anything, and now he's hosting a drinking party. Now, do you think he's going to host a drinking party and say, oh, nah, nah. Now, why would he do this? Why would he do this? Well, it says quite clearly. Look in the last part of verse 10. He gave a great feast, a drinking party. Four young men used to do so. Or, let's put it in junior high terms, but everybody's doing it. But, you know, I've heard adults say that. Oh, well, Brother Eric, Brother Eric, everybody does that. Everybody's doing that now. I think that's all outdated. Everybody's doing that. Well, if God says don't, it doesn't matter if everybody's doing it or not. But everybody was doing it. All the young men used to do that. So what does Samson do? He throws a keg party at his wedding. Now, his vow said, don't do it. And he took that commitment. He told God he wouldn't do that. He told God he would serve him. He told God he would keep his life in a certain way, and he totally ignored it because everybody else was doing it. Wow, we've realized Samson's a lot more familiar with us than we're comfortable with. Secondly, on his way to host the drinking party, look in verse 8. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. And he took some of it in his hands and went along eating. Came to his father and mother, Notice, they didn't take the shortcut then either. He gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them why he had, that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of a lion. Now, why wouldn't he tell them that? First of all, you'd say because that is extremely gross. He goes, and because of the dry climate, the the lion was just now a a, a shell of a skin. So up in the rib cage of the lion, we got this big beehive. So. Samson goes through, you know, and he's bopping along one more time going through the vineyard. He's comfortable in the vineyard now. One more time he goes through the vineyard, and he reaches up into the carcass, the dead body of that lion, and scoops out honey and starts eating it. Now, what's the problem here? He says, well, I'll tell you what the problem is. That is just plum gross. The problem is the Nazarite vow said they don't come near a dead body. Now, if I'm reaching up in the rib cage of a carcass of a lion... I'm near a dead body. I've touched a dead body. He totally ignored the vow that he had taken. Do you see what the problem is now? He had told God something, and God's instructions for his life now meant nothing. Nothing. God's instructions meant nothing. And then the third compromise of his Nazarite vow, he allowed his hair to be cut. Now, he was correct in one statement, kind of. He said, if I allow my hair to be cut, my strength will be gone. Well, he was correct in that, but he was wrong when he said, that's the source of my strength. Oh, his hair was not the source of his strength because it says quite clearly several different times when he had tremendous strength and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he killed the lion. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he slew them, a thousand of them, with the jawbone of a donkey. God's strength was what made Samson strong. But it was correct in that cutting his hair, watch this, was the final compromise that resulted in tragedy. You see, cutting his hair, his hair wasn't a a source of his strength, but when he cut his hair, that was the last straw. That was the fourth compromise. One compromise, too many, Samson. Mocking God one time, too many. You see, the long hair of a Nazarite was a badge. It was a symbol of a vow. Well, His hair meant nothing because his vow meant nothing. So, Samson, you just as well cut it because the badge that you're so proud of means nothing because you're not living like a Nazarite. You're wearing the name. You're claiming the title, but you're not living like a Nazarite. Oh, we wear the name. We claim the title of a Christian, a Baptist, a follower. But have there been compromises after compromises after compromises where all we have left is the title? At this time, that's all he had left. Go ahead and cut it off. And cut it off, she did. And it was a tragedy. It says after she cut his hair off, she began to afflict him. Now, I looked at that word and it says to humiliate, to taunt, sometimes even violence. So here's the big, strong man of Israel, and a woman is afflicting him. A woman is humiliating him. A woman is taunting him, and his strength left him, drained him of all his strength. And she said, The Philistines are on you. They got him. Gouged out his eyes. Now, I can't even stand eye drops. I mean, this is just horrible to think about this. So, he's blind and he's in fetters and he's in Gaza. I guess that's the capital. And he's grinding grain in a prison. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. But there's a bigger tragedy. There's a bigger tragedy, and he's so caught up with himself, he's so caught up with doing things his way. And he saw Cuddock so caught up to doing what he wants to do. And it pleases me well. That's the whole reason he was with Delilah, that he couldn't see the tragedy. But oh, what a tragedy it was. It says very clearly, verse 20, he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. You see, the tragedy is not his eyes. The tragedy is not his fetters. The tragedy is not that he's in prison. The tragedy is the Lord departed from him. Now, you might say, well, I thought God was everywhere. Oh, yes, but let me tell you what this means. Let me tell you what this means, that the Lord departed from him. You see, for so long, he had ignored God's instructions. For so long, he had pushed God out of his life. God's instructions are cumbersome. God's instructions are cramping my style. I want this. This is my pleasure. This is my pursuit. God's in the way. God, stay out of my business. Stay out of my life. Quit trying to control me. So what he would do is he pushed God out of his life and ignored God every time we see God giving him great strength. If you read through here, he uses it for Samson. Never do we see that he devotes it to God, ever. Every time God gave him special blessing, he used it for himself over and over and over. He seems to want God's influence out of his life. So God, watch this, gave him exactly what he was wanting. You're tired of God in your life. God's rules are so cumbersome, cramping your style, can't do what your friends do, can't go where your friends go because of all this stuff. I wish God would just leave my life alone. Watch it. After so many compromises, God says this All right? Hands off. Hands off. God will take his hands off your life. You're free from all that encumbrance. But oh, what happens when the Spirit of the Lord departs? Saul, the king, happened to him. David said that it happened to the whole country. 81st Psalm, verse 12, well, verse 11. Just let me read this. My people would not heed my voice. And Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their counsels. And the country crumbled. They, They would have none of me. They didn't want me in their country. They didn't want my rules in their houses and in their life. So, hands off. And that's what happens when one Compromise after another. And the most saddest words in this whole story is God departed from him. So caught up with himself, didn't notice it until it's too late. You say, Man, this is some heavy stuff. Well, there is a bright spot to this. And that is this, if God can use a tangled up mess like Samson, I think he can use you. But these things were written for our learning. And we're thankful that the heroes that are in the Bible, they don't just paint them up to be perfect. All their scars are visible for us. Why? These things were written for our learning. Oh, how familiar these things are in the life of Samson in our world today. Don't make the same mistake. And if we see compromises happening in our life right now, now's the time to turn the tide. Now's the time to turn it around. We can always have that opportunity to make it right. And always know this, God still was able to use Samson. Didn't turn out well for Samson. How much better could it have turned out if he had used what God gave him in a more positive way? We don't know. We don't know, but the hot mess of his life that he had made, God was still able to do something with it. And God can turn any life around and do something with it, including yours and mine. If you got business to deal with God, today's the day as we stand and sing